strategy, design, marketing, UX, digital, development. This is Agencies That Build. This show is dedicated to leaders and teams that design and deploy in the digital world. My name is Jesse, and I'm a marketer and an agency owner. And I'm Varun. I'm not a marketer, but a coder and an agency partner. This show is sponsored by Together We Ship. On a mission to help agencies grow. All right, this is it. So we are live. What's up, Varun? Long time no chat. <laughs> I know. I'm super excited for our second season. Me too. This is going to be fun. And uh, our guest today, who if you're watching the video, you can see, but if you're listening, I will introduce. So our guest today is a web developer. He's one of the 13 companies who's reached a VIP status with WordPress specifically. He also, and I cannot wait to talk about this in a few minutes, but he is so hardcore that he took the CPA exam for kicks. So that's a fun little fact. He's a writer, an editor, a photographer. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that in your history. He's the CEO of Reactive and his name is Josh Eaton. And before I let you say hello, for all of you listening, this is a great way to start season two. This is his first time on a podcast. So <laughs> we're breaking him in. Welcome, Josh. We're happy to have you. Hi, right, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. So why don't we start off with one of my favorite questions? You know, we're going to jump right in. Ready? So as an agency owner, what's the number one most fun thing for you? Yeah, for me, it's still... Um launch day for a new site or a new project uh, for clients. It, uh, it's exciting to see the client's reaction when the site is live and for the team. Uh, you know, it's usually a stressful day. Um, our latest launches have been pretty smooth, but, you know, there's always something goes wrong, something that needs to be fixed. And usually that's uh, not too big of a deal, but it's always, uh, I always like to like take a step back during that day and, and talk to the team and be like, hey, we just launched this for this brand name client like that's really cool uh so that's something i always like to i always like to do so those days are still really really exciting for me even if i'm not the one doing the actual development on the site it really is it's like it's like you're putting your you're putting your i don't want to say baby because that sounds kind of weird but you're just like putting it out there and it's yeah. like it's always everyone's <clears throat> always in a good mood after the nerves of like you know fixing all the tweaking and stuff like that that's really yeah cool. You know, I think I totally get that. I mean, you know, I've been that in situations so many times and I'm always nervous. I, you yeah. know, I mean, nervous and excited and feeling strong about, yes, we have done something great. And then we want to see that happen and get, you know, get it out and see how, what, what the reaction is. So, um, yeah, I totally see how the excitement level goes up when you are on that D-Day. Do you ever experience any panic, either one of you? Like, is there a moment of, oh, what did we forget to do? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We've done our best to try to have like a launch checklist that prevents that kind of thing from happening. But there's always something like, oh, who's changing the DNS? Um, we, we had a site once where the, the company, uh, their DNS management was over in Europe for some reason, and, and they didn't. They didn't get the message that we were flipping the DNS that day. So it was like a 24 hour delay and something that was 
it was funny to laugh about afterwards, but it was a bit of panic. Like, why is this, why is this happening? Why is this loading? What do you guys, I mean, that brings me to actually a really, you know, another question, you know, what's, uh, you said you have a a launch checklist, I'm sure. I mean, I know with, with projects that I've worked on, I'm sure Varun has the same thing. Like what's, what's a couple of those things that off the top of your head that you're like, okay, we always, always double check because somebody forgot at some point and you need um, outside of the DNS. What else do you have on that short list? Yeah, the, the DNS is a big one because it's usually yeah. not something we manage. Um, the other things are um, like we do primarily WordPress sites and there's a setting in WordPress that will hide the site from search engines. That's probably the most common one we've been bitten on in the past. So it's like, how come we're not getting any traffic? And it's like, oh, well, the setting that we had on for the staging site has been on. So that's a, that was like item number one on the checklist to make sure we had that. Um, setting up things like analytics and metrics, making sure those things are... Uh, those things are live, things like that. Those are, those are some of the most commonly missed things in the past that made their way into the launch checklist. Certainly. Varun, do you have any tips there? What do you guys have on your list that you always forget? Yeah. So it, it depends on the type of work we do. Like, you know, there are some um, design sites, that sites, the branding websites that we just launched. We make sure that the meta tags are set up properly. Kind of relates to the SEO, you know, checking, make sure search engine optimization is like, search engine can, can read it, but at the same time, when you are sometimes switching the sites from the old domain or the old site to the new one, you know, people tend to forget that meta tags are super important and they need to be updated as well. So that, and then, you know, there are things around speed optimization, right? People forget that, you know, sites need to be load faster like you need to go through the checklist like google has a pretty nice tool that gives you list of things that needs to be optimized so those are some of our you know top items that we make sure that we go through that yeah those are good ones mine this mine is so different than both of yours one time i just had a client and i i don't know how it slipped through the cracks but i check buttons contact us button on that page we all have one i would say every site i've ever looked at has that one one time you miss it and the client came back and was like, uh, this has been live and I haven't had any, you know, their traffic was deep. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot to set it up. Like it just didn't, you know, so on my checklist, it's so minor, but it's like you, that one, like what happened moment. So brings me to another question. So when you get in a call with a client, you know, how do you guys get started? I know before, you know, for those listening who have listened to season one, we obviously have a little prep before we get Josh on here. We're chit-chatting. And I, w- I want you to share a little bit about your, your pre-call discovery process because that was, you know, you had a good way of walking through that. You mind sharing, yeah. giving some insights there? <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, so we, um, most of our projects start with a, with a paid discovery uh, process where we're uh, meeting with the the stakeholders, uh, but even before that, uh, we are always having like, you know, um, calls in like the pre-sales where we're trying to get as many questions answered so we can figure out what that discovery is going to look like. Um, we've realized that whether we're doing paid discovery or not, like that work still needs to happen. So, um, so there are, uh, Where do you find the difference between paid discovery and a non-paid discovery? And then we can go back to the, your process there. Like that's a, that's a big one. I know a lot of us struggle with It's like, you're doing a ton of free work up front. Like, how do you kind of determine that? Yeah. So we um, typically what ends up happening for us is that that discovery is still going to happen during the project, but it's rather than doing the discovery and then being able to estimate with the client and in partnership to say, Hey, this is what, 
this is what we both agreed needs to be done um, versus having a scope handed to us and saying, hey, how much is it going to cost to do this? So what happens is we have to work in, okay, we know there's going to be things that we both don't know in this process um, that we're going to have to figure out at the beginning of maybe like a fixed bid project um, and, and saying, hey, we can give you this estimate, but it it's possible it will change, you know, based on once we start working together versus uh, in the pay discovery approach, <clears throat> our statement of work is for that discovery process and the client is getting uh, our like technical scope or a design brief or something out of that, that, you know, they may not even have us run through that scope. So they're, they're getting value out of that engagement, whether or not they continue on the project. Um, and so th that's the way we prefer to do those, but it's not always possible. And so, but we find that we're, we're doing that discovery work regardless. And so um, <clears throat> it helps scope the project. It helps manage expectations better to have it as that paid first phase. Um, and it's also a good way for, uh, for the client to get a feel for what it's like to work with us before signing on to like a much larger engagement. Varun, have you ever tried anything like that? So uh, yes, so I, I'd like to ask Josh, so how, um, so I know like running an agency, we, we understand that discovery is super important and we do that. We try to do every time. We try to educate the client that way, but tell me about a time when you think, how many times do you usually get pushed back on that? Do you think, you know, I mean, it happened to us many times. Like people would yeah. come to us and, you know, they feel that they are smarter. They have figured it out. They have everything. They just need to give us, give them a price. Like, here's the scope and tell us. Um, how do you approach that? How do you deal with the situation? Because clients, they know they are, in their head, they know that they're they are right, but it's not always the case. Um, yeah. So how do you approach, how do you take that? Yeah, a, a common situation we run into there is like, uh, for budget reasons, they just, they just need to know, we need to set aside we need to set aside this much. So that does happen frequently. Um, I would say <clears throat> we're probably in like 30 to 40% of our projects start with a paid discovery. Um, and the other, the others don't. And so in that case, we just make it really clear, like, Hey, this is our preferred approach. But, uh, if we're not doing that, um, you know, there may be a change order in the future, if we uncover something as we're, or discover something as we're going through the process, <laughs> <laughs> hence why it's discovery. <laughs> um, and so, and so we're just really all about managing expectations in that situation where it's just, Hey, we understand that these are your constraints. We understand that this is uh, what we're doing, but we both, um, and I heard, I've heard someone else say this, but I can't remember who, but it's like, at this point in the project, we both know the least that we're going to know about this project. And so that's why it's the hardest time to do those estimates and to come up with an accurate scope. So we're just going saying, this is our best guess, but it may not be accurate. And so um, we also try to make our, in those cases, we try to make our statement of, of work much more detailed and be really specific about what is excluded as well. So that way, because um, if it's really vague, then there can be a lot of, back and forth over wall. We thought this was going to be included. So we try to have more discussions up front to make sure that those, those things are clarified um, and that we, we're both really clear on, on what's really going into this, uh, into this project. So in, in discovery, do you, would you also share like what is the output or outcome of the discovery? Like what are the deliverables for your discovery? Um, you know, we, what we do is like when we, we 
do the client interviews. We ask them questions and you know all that. But also sometimes we go into the depth of creating you know sketches, wireframes, flowcharts, functional specs. Um, but sometimes all of that is not needed, and and many times you don't even know how to um, box that. Like how do you create a fixed price for the discovery? because you don't oh. know the full breadth of the service. Like you don't know everything right. at that time. Yeah, that's so, a good question. So how do you, uh, you know, compartmentalize that discovery part and then give a price to that when you don't know everything about the project at that time? What's yeah. your approach? So um, I'll cover like our deliverables and then also how we go about like, like pricing it. Cause yeah, it, it depends for sure. Uh, our deliverables are uh, like a design brief and like a technical scope document. So our projects are either development only or design and development. So we have two, two different documents for that. So we're, um, <clears throat> there may be wireframes, information architecture that's happening during, um, during discovery, um, but we're not doing any of the actual like design work during that, during that phase. Um, and that technical scope document is outlining, here's, here's uh, the full, site map, the full outline of everything we're going to build, how we're going to build it, what we're going to use. Here's what our, here's what the accessibility standards are going to be. Here's what our performance budget is. All those things are outlined in there. Um, and we, we put those scope documents together um, for all of our projects, even if it's for internal use, just to know, just to guide our development and our QA. Um, so those, and then the other deliverable is project plan and estimate for uh, and proposal for what the remaining phases of the project are going to be. We, in terms of how we price those, it definitely depends. Um, I, I've gone back and forth between like a fixed bid price for that and then doing time and materials. Um, and so for us, it it is, um, I think for smaller projects, it's easier to do it in like a fixed bid manner where we can, we feel pretty safe giving, here's, a, here's an estimate um, that we'll be able to get our, our typical discovery, but we've had other discovery projects that have gone for six or eight weeks um, that either have been fixed bid and then we've had to add more time as we've uncovered new things to go through. Um, and so uh, some of those have been time and materials, some of those have been fixed bid. And so it's more, if it's more us coming in and it's a really nebulous thing, like we know we wanna do this, but we have no idea how or what we're gonna end up doing. Those are more like, well, maybe we should approach this from a time and materials um, standpoint. Um, but if it's like, we're really clear on, on what it is and what it will do, but, um, we just need you to tell us how that's going to happen. Those are more likely we can do those in like a fixed bid manner. Right. Right. Um, one thing that, um, we have found little success is in, especially as a, when we are selling discovery, we package it in a way where we tell the client that see, no matter which team you hire, right you will have to do this, yeah. um, either us or them or somebody. So better hire somebody to get this done and then use it to quote it out. And then, you know, you just separate that price and then you don't have to hire us. You know, we, we have taken some chances many times where even though we don't have the full clarity on the picture we, or of the project, we will still give them a cost. You know, here's a price that we think, you know, it will take, and these are some of the things that is that will come as a part of deliverable. Um, but we are taking the chance; we are taking the risk. Like, sure, client can go somewhere somewhere else, and we may, you know, run out of the budget. But still, 
um, we have built enough relationship with the client that we have higher chances. So I, we have found some, um, you know, some success in taking that chance, especially in the beginning in the discovery phase. Um, so uh, you know, just wanted to share, you know, how or if there is anything like that you have done um, or you have had any feedback on that approach. Yeah, I, I think that's a great pragmatic approach to it because it's, um, you'll hear people talk and be like, there's, there's this one thing that you should always do. And it's like, you find running an agency that that's not really the case. <laughs> like it's pretty much everything depends. Uh, you're going to, so taking that pragmatic approach that like there isn't a one size fits all approach to all these projects, I, I think is a really good approach. Cool. Yeah. Great. Good. Well, it's interesting hearing both of you talk about like the different approaches and how you tackle it. And, you know, the paid, the paid scoping is, or discovery is just, you know, it's, it's, I know it's the struggle <laughs> that a lot of us face too, you know, how much work do you put in? Where do you, where do you stop? And how do you, you know, kind of continue from there? So um, I want to ask a little bit more about how, how you guys build, how you, you know, moving into kind of around the, 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 the getting it done section of our conversation so, you know, are there any, well, now I'm going to ask the large, are there any deep insights that you use internally? You know, how to talk to me a little bit or talk to us a little bit about your team and how you structure things and how you're creating and building. Um, you know, I know you guys are a VIP partner with WordPress. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a great place to start in terms of like, what does that mean? Um, do you get special treatment? Are there training? Is there someone on your staff dedicated to being focused on that? You know, give us some little insights there. Yeah. Uh, what's that meant for us? is we have, uh, we've been a partner with them for uh, over six years. And um, at, at the beginning, it was, uh, they, had, they had a different environment and um, they would review all code that before it goes live to production. And so uh, that was a big change for us at the time because um, we weren't doing code review on everything. And so we instituted all of that internally. So it was like, we, anything we write, would be able to go in that environment, even if it wasn't going in that environment. Um, and so um, it's it's different now where that's not necessarily a, a requirement for everything that goes on there, but. Um, Was that a good thing or a bad thing, do you think, or a little bit of both, code review? I oh, it was definitely a good thing. So that's uh, that's that's part of our process and has been for, um, for all that time now where, uh, on every project, even if uh, it's very rare that we'll have one person on a project. So we'll always have at least two. Um, and that, that's one of the, that's one of our selling points when we're, um, if a client is comparing using us versus like an internal team, it's like, okay, well, we have more than one person dedicated to the project. So if someone goes on vacation, something like that, you have a backup. You have someone there who's also familiar with the site, who has been doing code review um, and those kind of things if uh, versus like an internal resource, they go on vacation, there's may not be someone to, to backfill them. Um, we, uh, so our projects are typically um, a designer, um, at least two developers, a project manager, and then we have um, a dedicated QA person to do testing um, and things like that on, on client sites. As we, um, as we, Go through the as we've gone through the process of building, especially WordPress sites. Uh, we've obviously learned a lot, and so we've built a bunch of tooling around that. Um, everything from like uh, standard build scripts to a uh, component library uh, that we can use to have the the same or similar markup on every 
every site we build, um, which makes it much easier for our developers to move between projects. Um, and also just to get started, it's like a 10,000 hour head start uh, when we get started on a project. It's still a, still a custom project and that it's not, it's not opinionated in terms of like how it looks on the front end or anything like that. Um, but uh, it has all of our utilities and all of our like components that we would typically need for a project rather than, you know, okay, here's a, we're building tabs for the 300th time or we're building an accordion. Uh, we have all that, all that built in. So being a VIP member, I imagine the type of WordPress projects that you take would be heavily custom, right? I mean, you probably wouldn't be doing like theme-based, you know, marketing websites, you know, pick a template and, and integrate that. It's mostly going to be very custom heavy lifting. Um, and most of the developers that you have would, would be having that kind of experience. So is there um, a challenge that you found in finding such people with extreme experience in, in, you know, in WordPress, especially when you need to stay up to that standard that they have set up for you. Um, and there are only 13 companies in the, in the world. So uh, how did you, so you said it's been six years you have been member. So yeah. um, how has the team structure uh, for, for that kind of expectations? Or is there no difference? Like, you know, how, tell us yeah. more about that. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah, I would say uh, the clients we have on there, um, there are still some standard marketing sites of very large companies or very high traffic. Um, and then there are really complex things that get built on there as well. Uh, the approach that we've taken is um, when we're hiring for a developer position, we're not necessarily looking for a WordPress developer. Um, we're looking for a really solid software developer. And so uh, we're confident that we can um, that we can train them in WordPress best practices. Um, and so if they have excellent PHP JavaScript skills already, good developer habits in terms of how they use version control, how they communicate, um, those are really what we're looking for. Um, and then we're able to train them on the WordPress WordPress specifics, um, but you're right because if you put a job posting out there for WordPress developer, WordPress right. runs you know forty percent of the uh, of the web right now, and so there's many many millions of people doing WordPress, and so you say, hey, we're looking for a WordPress developer. There's so many of them out there at all varying levels, so it, it is a challenge finding um, finding WordPress developers that know how to work at that scale. Um, and so that's why our, our approach has been, we want really good developers that can do, because uh, we do do some things outside of WordPress as well, but that is our bread and butter um, that we can train up into, into WordPress. Yeah, yeah, that I can imagine because, you know, as I said, like there are <laughs> there are millions of uh, WordPress yeah. developers and, you know, and, and especially with the, with the new frameworks and new uh, like Gutenberg or, Headless CMS, you know, this, these concepts are coming up. You yeah. are moving more and more towards front-end development and making it more seamless. Um, I think looking for a good software developer is a, is a fine approach. It makes total sense. Um, so my question for you is, you know, we were talking about um, hiring and kind of evaluating skill set to make sure it's up to snuff for both of you even. You know, how do you... You know, I've, uh, you know, having a background in marketing and interviewing and running teams and stuff like that, even for my own agency, bringing in um, freelancers and things like there's an evaluation process. But when you go for WordPress, especially with the caliber of people that you're trying to bring in the door, do you have any like 
tips, tricks, insights, you know, again, thinking about folks listening who are other agency owners, give us some, some nuggets there. If you have one or two and Varun, if you have one too, feel free to share. Like I have favorite interview questions, but I'd be curious to hear from both of you. Yeah. Our, our process is, uh, I, I do the first interview, which mm-hmm. always feels kind of weird and probably won't scale, but I still do that first interview, uh, which is more uh, behavioral and, and culture fit. So I, I usually don't even get around to asking any technical questions or anything like that. It's really more about what are your career goals? What are you, what are you good at? What are you not interested in? Um, things like that. Um, and it, it's just a, a quick list of questions and we're always running out of time at the end of the interview. So I, I like how that works because it's just really simple questions that then get people talking a lot. Um, we um, will then do like a more technical interview and then a panel interview with uh, members of the team. So we try to include cross-functional uh, members. So it's not just developers interviewing developers because like they're also going to be working with designers and project managers. And so... Um, it's helpful to have that um, have that insight in the interview process, especially for uh, culture fit. Uh, so the whole then, team's involved then in kind of yeah. evaluating. I mean, I totally get the cultural fit piece of it too, you know. So we we also do a code challenge, um, ah. which which has been really interesting. But we only do that at um, we only do that uh, at like the very end. So we don't like run everyone through a code challenge because that that can be a lot of work for. Um, uh, for people, but it's been really insightful. It's a very simple Your project. project managers would probably be like, yep, we're out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Not for, not, not for project <laughs> managers, but we, um, um, for that, it'd be more situational, but for developers, it's been really interesting. Cause you see, you see people, um, someone even learned a new framework, uh, to do the, the code challenge. And so oh, we hired him, cool. <laughs> it was, but it was yeah. really interesting. It was like, wow, you're very driven, uh, to, to learn something new, especially for, for this. And so um, I like that. I've seen other code challenges um, or people asking things like, like FizzBuzz, which is like a common like computer science like question. And I, I haven't seen a lot of value out of that. Ours is a really simple, um, but very open-ended. So it's like we get, um, it. we have our idea of how it should be done. And then it's really interesting to see what people do in that. You can learn a lot just from, uh, that very simple set of requirements. Yeah, that's such a smart way to do it because you're going to see how they they solve, they problem solve too. You know, I, I have been asked many a weird, that could be a whole other podcast. What weird interview questions have you been asked? So, you yeah. know, like one of my favorite is always, one of my favorites, what's your dream job? And what I'm, I want them to answer is like, what do you want to do, you know, in the real world realistically? But I want to know what that weird pie in the sky, like dream is because it shows you a yeah. lot about their insight. It's like such a fun, I've had spies, I've had astronauts, I've had spacemen, I've had, you know, all kinds of weird answers. It's my favorite yeah. one is somebody said uh, a front man for a hair metal band. I was like, that's the best answer <laughs> I've had in a long time, you know, and he came up, he was a copywriter, some of the best wittiest copy. It was great. It was great hire. So, great. Uh, so you mentioned something earlier that I want to go back to around scalability and, you know, you as an interviewing CEO, the head of the agency, you know, obviously moving out of that role, you know, Bruin, I don't know if you do any interviewing anymore based on your role in the company as well, but you know, yeah. let's talk a little bit about scalability in general. Sorry, Bruin, I cut you off. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I was saying I, I don't do it. I don't interview anymore. So a lot of our interview process have been automated now, meaning we have that you know technical test. We have one um, communication or English language test because most of our team is offshore. So we do make sure that you know they come up with the basic written in you know English. That has been That's the test. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't think that, you know, here, but I think in the other continent, that is like core, um, you know, requirement for, for us to make sure that they uh, cross that level. But technically, I think, so we, we, we instead of doing code reviews, we do, um, you know, the technical tests that we have that covers most of it. And then after that, you know, the regular interview process between the teams that, as Josh said, I think that, that that's something we do too. So. Good. Well, all right. So my question is growth, which is a challenge all of us kind of struggle with. You said it too, you know, going back to you being the CEO of the company and doing the interview yourself, everyone's moved out of that. I float, doesn't matter, you know, um, I'm, I like it. So I like staying in it. Um, yeah. You know, let's, let's talk a little bit about growth and kind of where, how you plan on growing, where you plan on growing, what that looks like, you know, is that a that a challenge that you guys struggle with? I mean, again, we're talking to agency owners, so we're trying to dig a little bit under the skin, you know, in terms yeah. of, of what we're talking about here. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your plans there and what that looks like for you. Yeah, that's, um, for a long time, we were we were just three people um, and and kind of like staying, staying at that level. And we've, uh, we're still a boutique agency, but we've grown a lot in the last uh, in the last three to three to four years. And, um, my goal is to continue that. And, um, it, it definitely is a challenge in terms of, um, figuring out, you know, I started in the agency as, as a doer. So, you know, writing code, doing development, I don't do that anymore. Um, but there's still so many other things where we've, uh, we've operated pretty lean, leanly where most, most everyone is a producer, uh, except for me. And so that's, that's been changing this year. Uh, and, and into last year where um, we have other people managing people now and um, uh, we're hiring for uh, biz dev as well. And so um, all of those with the eye towards continued growth. Good. Um, do you have a question for Rune? I don't want to go again. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, to all of our advantages with, with, with growth virtual environments so do you yeah. i don't know if you guys are all you guys are located in california am i correct uh we're fully distributed so oh, okay. i'm i'm in california yeah but yeah. the whole company is remote everyone works from home and has always been that way mm -hmm. um and so in terms of everything that happened last year you know <laughs> it was kind of business as usual except for the overwhelming sense of dread that many people felt yeah but in terms of in terms of uh uh being able to work um, in the same way that we had been, uh, we we had that. I, I think the the big change for us there was um, not being able to do our, our annual retreat. Uh, so we usually yeah. get everyone together um, once per year. We weren't able to do that last year. Um, so that's something we're definitely looking forward to um, when all this is over. Um, but the, yeah, in terms of hiring, it is... Um, I've, I've never hired someone that I've met in person before we hired them, if that makes sense, which sounds okay. weird because you think like that would be like the first thing. It's always been virtual uh, and it's also always worked out. And so that's been kind of an interesting uh, 
interest, interesting thing there. Um, from a remote perspective, um, I don't know that there are necessarily inherent challenges to growth there because there's there are many remote companies out there that are that are large as well. Um, but a lot of it comes down to as you scale, how do you maintain your your culture? So the culture of a three person company is different from uh, a fifteen person company, different from a fifty person and two hundred and up. So um, that's definitely that's definitely a challenge is figuring out. Uh, you know, at each level, it's like, you think you have everything figured out and then you add a few more people and you're like, wait, nothing works anymore. How do we, how do we get back to what it was when we felt like we had everything figured out? Would you guys ever consider? Um, what, oh, go ahead, Vern, you go. What, yeah, I was <laughs> curious to uh, hear you said you, when you hire, you make sure that you meet that person in like that person in person, right? So meaning, will you fly him in or you? No, we don't. No, I said, I said, I've oh, never you, hired someone never that met I've anybody met in person, in person. before. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry about that. Okay. Uh, which, which when I, when I talk with other people who aren't, aren't remote companies, they're like, how can you do that? How can you not right. meet? And I was like, well, the people I work with day in and day out are, you know, through a, a video screen and, and it's always been that way. So it's, um, it feels, it feels comfortable for me. And uh, even when I started working from home, um, I talked with a lot of my friends, like I could never work from home. I would, and at the time I was freelancing and I was like, well, I, I definitely can. Cause if I don't work from home, I, I won't have money. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, so the motivation is there, but which is, can be different. Um, if it's, uh, you know, if it's not your company or something like that. And we've, that's one of the things when we hire, um, you look for people with remote experience, but we've also hired people with no remote experience and they've, they've done so well. So it's really, um, I think, especially after this last year, uh, we'll see a lot more of that where uh, we used to be able to say in recruiting, Hey, we're a, we're a fully remote company. And now we're like, we've always been a remote company. Cause it's <laughs> such a funny everyone's... marketing change, you know, to be yeah. able to say that's an asset we can, do you guys ever so with remote? Oh, with remote, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so with, with, with remote uh, environment, um, how do you make sure that people are accountable and utilized properly? Like I'm, I'm hearing a lot of this from yeah. many agencies, like utilization has been the challenge. I mean, you also must have followed some threads on Bureau, you know, we, yeah. people are talking about challenges with utilization and keeping, uh, keeping the employees and they, you know, the churn rate is pretty high. So how do you maintain that? Like wh what are some best practices that you follow that could be useful for some other owners? Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, our uh, our turnover hasn't, has, like, we, it's been great. I'm trying, bad, great. You don't <laughs> have any? Low. Your turnover's been right. low. <laughs> it's been very low. Um, so we haven't had that issue, but uh, a lot of it goes back to the, to the hiring process. And so that's where, like, when you hire someone who doesn't have remote experience, there is a bit of risk there. And so it's depending on the rest of your hiring process to say, is this person going to be able to succeed there? Um, but it really comes down to trusting, trusting our, our employees to do what they say they're going to do. And so we don't have a set, like you have, it's a, you need to be available for meetings. Um, and we have clients in all different time zones, but beyond that, there's not like, uh, we don't monitor our, our employees. There's not like expected to be at their desk at a certain time and, and be there till a certain time. We track our time, um, but that's primarily to make sure that, uh, you know, we're tracking billable time and things like that. Um, we, it, it really does come down to 
to trust and are, are they are they getting results? And so that, that's where our focus is versus, because um, we have people working all different schedules and that's, that's worked for us. And so uh, once that trust is, is broken, then, you know, then we have a conversation if things aren't getting done, if that's not happening. But um, so far, that's, uh, that's worked fine for us. Have you ever utilized like, uh, I mean, you talk a lot about it, like uh, full-time employees, do you contract, do you freelance, you know, hire as needed? I mean, even off outsource, offshore, you know, are those options that you guys have considered? Uh, definitely, definitely considered all of them and tried many of them. Um, right now we're primarily full-time employees. Um, in the past, we have at certain times uh, scaled up with contractors and um, it's something we would, we would consider again, but we have primarily been successful when we've been working with our full-time employees. I think some of the issues we've run into in the past is we would, we would be so busy. We'd be like, Hey, well, let the, this person is well-regarded, well-known. We'll let them run this project and everything will go smoothly. And then, and then we find out, no, that wasn't, it's like, when I take the same approach of trusting our employees and doing that with a contractor, it hasn't worked out as well. And so um, we've, we've realized that, that, uh, that that won't work when we're working with contractors, that they need to be brought into our process and, and work uh, through us with the way we would typically work with clients. Um, but we just haven't, uh, since those experience, we just haven't had another opportunity where we've needed to. Um, but it's something we would consider if, if, if necessary. So let me ask you on that. Like, why do you think it would be necessary? Like meaning, are you, do you think Good it question. would be because of the, like the type of project um, or because of the capability or because of the price or, I mean, mm. there could be, so, you know, agencies these days are thinking about those options because of the rates, like, Everybody is um, what I'm hearing in the bureau and other, uh, you know, when I, when we meet other agency owners, everybody is uh, trying to figure out what would be the best way to win the deal uh, in yeah. terms of pricing. Like, yes, pricing in the in this community is pretty standard, but um, even like you know, ten bucks, twenty bucks here and there can make a difference in terms of winning and losing the deals. And then those twenty, thirty dollars can be uh, can be won by if you have a cheaper resource somewhere. So do you see, uh, when, when you said you are open to that idea, but when do you think you will be open and in, on what scenario it will make more sense for you? Because some agencies would be like, no, we, we want to keep everything in-house because we work only on these types of projects. So for these types of projects, for these types of clients, we cannot utilize and people right. from you know other other nations. So how how's your approach for that? Uh, you know, uh, when you go when you when you think about uh, contractor or remote or offshore or nearshore. Yeah, for so for most of our clients, it 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 wouldn't be an option where we are right now. Um, just given the um, our process and our high level of standards. So I talk about bringing someone in and training them up on WordPress. It's like we have that ability to do with someone who's a full-time employee, uh, it's much harder for us to do that with a contractor and guarantee um, I, even by um, even by 
IRS regulations were like, we're not able to dictate what the, what the contractor should be doing. And so it's much harder for us to enforce those. And so, and we don't necessarily have the overhead built in to be able to have, have someone dedicated to quality control and ensuring that that person is trained up and in what they need to be in our best practices and all that. So that, um, that would be kind of a blocker for us there. Um, and, but the other, if there were different types of types of projects we were bringing on where that would make sense, um, it, it's something that we would explore. So it's, for me, it's not like, a, oh, we would never do that. It's uh, for a project where it made sense, where, um, where we felt comfortable that we would be getting the, the quality that our clients would be expecting. That, that's the case where we would potentially look into that. But um, given the size of our, our team now, it, uh, it'd be pretty far off. All right, I got one more question, then we want to learn a little bit more about you. You ready? So yeah. let's talk a little bit about the future. You know, you know, when what's what's exciting you about the future? What are you looking forward to? I know you had teased that there's something cool you're doing, but you can't talk about it yet. <laughs> so, you know, t talk to us a little bit about what you see, what's coming as I'm like creeping around all my notes so I can <laughs> yeah. over here. So yeah. Yeah. Um in general, I'm really excited um, that it's no longer 2020. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't think I'm alone in that. No. Nope. Um, but uh, I, I am really excited about the future and about growth. Some of the things we talked about earlier in terms of, uh, yeah. you know, hiring, hiring for BizDev, hiring uh, or having other people involved in the, in like the business sides of the, of the agency. That's been really exciting for me as that's, that's been primarily me uh, up to this point. Um, we are working on some, some products and things like that. Um, we have a, an existing product, a WordPress plugin, um, but there are some new ones that we're working on that we'll be um, launching in, in beta soon. Uh, that's, been, that's been really exciting. And it's been something that, um, that we, we've seen a need for in our, in our current clients. And then um, we're able to put together um, we have our landing page going live uh, this week, uh, so that's been that's been really exciting. Um, nice for us to work on, especially as with like the ups and downs of the last year. It's been something that we've been able to continually work on in between projects and things like that. So it's been it's been a great thing for the uh, the team to keep moving forward on, um, you know, regardless of what happens in the um, in our day to day client work. Great. And you guys are enjoying your 10 year anniversary, right? It's, you just turned yep. 10 this year. So 10 years. double yeah, digits. Congratulations. Month. Yeah. <laughs> thanks very much. Um, you had mentioned, um, and I'm skipping around Varun. And so, but I want to hear the story about how I've been dying since we chatted, but tell us how you ended up being the CEO. I think you have a fun story, story there, you know, about how you oh, ended yeah. up running this company and you know, tell, tell us how you got to this, this point a little bit. Tell us the story. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, we, we can get into the, the travel part later, but we basically, oh, uh, yeah, I'm getting, I, I'm going back there. I want my wife and I took a long, yeah. took a long trip and, and, uh, and out of that kind of like rethought about what we wanted to do with our careers and our lives and everything. And, and coming back into that, um, I started, freelancing, doing WordPress development, uh, ended up meeting uh, who became my business partner on Twitter. 
um, good old was, Twitter. <laughs> exactly. When <laughs> um, we uh, worked together freelance for a year and then it was like, well, we want to hire you. And I was like, well, my goal from this whole thing was to uh, be an entrepreneur, run my own business. So I don't really want to be hired anywhere, but I can come on as a partner. Um, and so I did came on a, a partner then. So that was, uh, almost seven years ago now. And, um, we became a VIP partner, I think, uh, that year and then, uh, continued growing the agency, uh, ended up, ended up buying my partners out about four years ago. Um, and then have continued growing the agency then as, as a sole owner. So that's been, um, something I really enjoy, but also something where it's, uh, it's, it's just interesting because so, uh, so many like peer agencies I see have multiple owners uh, and there's plenty that are sole owners as well. Um, but it's been, it's been interesting to be able to choose how I want to see the future of the agency and how I want to grow the agency and, uh, and continue on that way. Good. Well, so let's, let's take us way back, way back to little Josh. Why don't, you know, tell us a little bit little bit about you, you know, what should we know, you know, two or three tidbits about little, little Josh pre pre college, even before the Twitter, even before the Facebook and the, the traveling, you know, where'd you yeah. grow up? You know, you, you said you grew up, you were born in LA, I think is where we, we start the story. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Born like most children, I was born. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> <in LA. laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, then moved to the, moved to the Midwest, lived in Indiana, uh, most of my life. Um, Where about met Indiana? My, uh, Carmel, Indiana. So it's a suburb of Indianapolis. Yeah. Was there a reason or was it just, you know, family, um, family was there. My parents had moved sense. out for, for jobs to LA and then ended up moving back. Um, cause usually uh, people go the opposite direction. That's why I was curious. <laughs> yeah. 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 So then uh, a long time later, we've made our way back out, <laughs> back out here for the reason you, you would think, um, but we uh, met, met my wife in high school or high school sweethearts. Um, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, but I, like my, my earliest memories were of um, messing around with the family computer. So we had like a old, like IBM PC compatible thing running DOS with like a golf game on it. And um, most of the things I remember are, you know, my parents putting parental controls on the computer and me hacking and to find a way to, to figure out the password and get around those things and hide the tracks and all that just to be able to, cause I was, uh, uh, I, I even remember trying to learn programming before I had learned algebra and like reading, reading the QBasic programming book and being like, what is an integer <laughs> and having, having no clue. And so I, I kind of got started in that too early maybe. Um, and so I really thought I was going to do computer science. Uh, I even took a computer science class in, in high school, um, but then ended up being really turned off uh, by our, our teacher. Um, you know, there was a computer lab in there and these are all smart kids that know their way around computers. And we would do things like network the computers together and play Quake 2 when we should be doing our programming assignments. And so it was like, <laughs> he did not like that very much where uh, I think about it now and I'm like, well, you yeah, gotta hand it to those kids for being, uh, being inventive and coming up with, you know, what can we do with this computer lab? Um, but uh, that did really turn me off from computer science and ended up going towards, uh, going towards business. And for some reason I was very uh, risk averse and I was like, okay, what's, what's the kind of career I can go towards that will guarantee me a job accounting. 
<laughs> I was so. going to ask you, I was going to bring that back up. I know we teased it at the beginning, but you know, yeah. what's so hardcore about accounting? Please enlighten all of us, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do. I really do. I really did like accounting. I liked my classes uh, in that. Um, but I had, I had internships in accounting during, uh, during college. And after I did an audit and a tax return the first time, they're like, all right, well then just keep doing those <laughs> on and on into the future. And I was like, hmm, maybe this, maybe this won't be for me. Um, and so I ended up going into, going into consulting. Um, Cause that sounds like, Hey, a new thing every time figuring out solving problems. Um, went into consulting, but for uh, one of the, uh, one of the big four accounting firms. And so I had done all this accounting coursework, got all my credit hours uh, like in four years. And it was like, I should still do this CPA exam thing, um, <laughs> which <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend it if you're just doing it for, <laughs> if you don't plan on, on being an accountant. Um, it wasn't I, a fun I, time for you. <laughs> <laughs> it was not, it was six months straight when I was, I was already working 80, 80 hours a week to having to study on top of that. Uh, Cause it's four different exams. Um, and then I, I even, I had my registered like license and it lapsed when we did the the year abroad <laughs> so I didn't get the mail notice that said so I I lost the license but it has never come in handy so that um but I I, I was still able to get like when you pass the CPA exam at, at an accounting firm you should get like a, a little bonus uh, for doing that and I like applied for that at the company and they were like why are you doing this and I was like well you you offer it to the accountants if I'm going to pass the exam I should we get that too and they were like okay <laughs> so they got the bonus bought a bought a guitar with it that was uh, there you great. go why not <laughs> so t tell us a little bit about that gap year I know we've, we've mentioned it a couple of times but you know you had a you guys started a site traveling nine to five why don't you give us give us the rundown how did was you and your wife correct yeah yeah it was, it was uh both of us so she sort of started down the path first of being entrepreneurial. She majored in entrepreneurship, went to work for um, uh, a large hotel in sales, and then was like, I don't really love this. Um, but what I really love, I'm passionate about is helping people with their health. So she got certified as a personal trainer, quit her job and started taking on clients at, at a gym in Chicago, where okay. we lived at the time. And um, in my job, it, it was a great job, but I, I was still just sort of unfulfilled. I had this feeling that I, you know, I would love to run my own business, but that's not something, you know, that was probably for me. I wouldn't be able to take that risk or anything like that. Um, and I, I remember reading, um, it was actually someone at the company. Someone told me about, it. it's like, Hey, they just left and did this gap year. Um, and I ended up like connecting with them and then also started learning about the, all the miles and points you can do with like credit card bonuses and things like that. That whole game of uh, accounting comes in handy there, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it does. Being, um, yep. And uh, um, and so that uh, I looked at that and it was like it, this isn't available anymore. But what we what we saw was there for like a hundred and. 20,000 miles, we could get a trip around the world, like a ticket around the world ticket that would give you 15 stops or, or 15 segments or something like that, 35,000 miles total. And I was like, with all the travel that I did in consulting, I was like, we were almost already there. We needed like one more credit card bonus and we could do that. And so then <laughs> once I, uh, uh,
<laughs> I sent all that stuff to my wife and sort of forgot about it for a bit. And then I think we were driving home from our wedding one weekend and she was like, we should do this. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think I talked to her the rest of the weekend because I was just like turning the wheels in my head. And by the end of the weekend, I was like, you're right, we should do this. Um, You're like, and so, here's my plan and let's go tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we were like, okay, we'll go, we'll go in a year and then moved it up by six months. We were like, all right, at the end of this year, we're gone. Ended up both quitting our jobs, um, had these, so we had two round the world tickets on points. So we didn't have to pay for 15 of those flights. Jeez. Um, and so, yeah, it was, you know, they call it travel hacking. And it was like, just like me hacking on the computers uh, when I was little, it was like, it was like, how can we do this in a way that um, is, is and isn't crazy? So it's like, you know, how can we do this without spending a whole bunch of money? And also um, in a way that, you know, maybe changes our lives. And so we, yeah, we went to 16 countries, um, traveled for the full year, and then another six months inside the U.S. when we, when we came back. Um, Did you have a favorite and, country? Um, it's, a, it's a tough question. I, our, I always answer it with our, our favorite country is probably Thailand. Um, uh, we, we went back twice during the trip. Uh, we had such a good time there and, uh, but our favorite experience was probably in Botswana. We did a self-drive safari. So we, we flew into Johannesburg, um, rented a, a four by four pickup truck that had like a tent mounted on top. Uh, I had never driven a stick shift in my life up to this point. And so <laughs> that day I spent, it, it was three weeks. We, we drove through three different countries in Southern Africa doing this. Uh, I taught myself to drive a stick shift on the 10 hour drive it, to Botswana, you know, finishing in the dark at like this, like campground we were staying at. Uh, I stalled at every toll booth that we <laughs> went through. Um, Good practice. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was the most exhilarating and terrifying experience of uh, of our lives driving through game reserves without like a guide or anything, and you know getting uh, getting chased by elephants in the car as we're like reversing through the sand, uh, things like that. Uh, it was pretty crazy. I just have one question. I saw that you've been to many countries in Asia. How come India is not in the list? <laughs> so. So we wanted India to be, to be its own trip. And we, uh, we were like, surely uh, one of my good friends got married last year. And we were like, surely when he gets married, we'll be able to go to India uh, to celebrate his wedding. But they had it, they had it in Bali, which was great. <laughs> but, uh, but we were like, we'd missed our trip, but we were like, India is so big. We need to give it its own trip uh, to be able to see. Cause we didn't want to fly in uh, to see one city and be like, we've seen India. Uh, so yeah. same thing with, uh, same thing with, um, Australia and, and China and, uh, Japan, we wanted to come back and, and see those countries like on their own. So we still plan on, uh, on visiting. Um, it's definitely high on our list. Um, but we, uh, in our trip, we, part of the keeping the cost low is we, we traveled through, like, I think we, we spent like one week in Europe and the rest of the time uh, we were in South, South America, Africa, and Southeast Asia. Um, and so, the, yeah, just the way our, our, our flights worked out and everything, we were like, let's, let's come back to India on another trip. Yeah. Let me know next time when you go. I'll, yeah. I'll <laughs> I'm coming too. I'm, that sounds you know, great. Yes. <laughs> my short list over here. Yeah, oh. it's hard to be disappointed about not going to India when we're like, oh, but we're going to Bali. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but but that was that was what we had planned for that. Like this is going to be our chance. And then it didn't work out. 
So outside of traveling, what do you guys do now? What's some of your, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, work and how you got there and, um, you know, what, what it kind of stuff, I know COVID changes what we're all stuck indoors doing, but you know, let's yeah. say it didn't exist. What are some of the stuff you're into today? Yeah. Uh, I mean, thankfully over the last year, um, a lot of the things I like to do, I was still able to do. So, um, I, I have three little kids and we love going out and hiking, um, riding bikes and things like that. So we've still been able to do that during the, um, during the pandemic. And, and we've done some travel as well. We did a, um, a big road trip, uh, up through like six national parks last year. Um, and so nice. we're able to be outdoors pretty much the whole time, which, uh, kept it pretty safe. Um, so even as a family, uh, we love taking road trips and traveling around. So that's been good. Um, but I, I guess over the last year I've, uh, gotten into mountain biking again, which was really, really good during the pandemic. Another outdoor activity, um, we can do, there's a mountain bike park about 10 minutes from my house. Um, nice. and that was, uh, during, there was a huge rush on bikes last year. I don't know if you heard about that, but like nearly every bike shop sold out. I got lucky cause I, I started in February with my old 20 year old bike. And then was like, uh, I need a new bike for all these trails and got like one of the last ones available. And so that's been right. taking me through, taking me through this year. Um, and I think my other big pandemic activity besides, uh, baking bread, which I think pretty much everyone <laughs> ended up doing was, uh, was woodworking. Um, oh, cool. so, uh, I built uh, a climbing wall in my son's bedroom. So it's like, takes up like half the wall, uh, which is pretty exciting. Built a, a kitchen table and like a breakfast nook. And I have, I have no experience doing this. <laughs> so it's, uh, it has been a big learning experience, uh, buying new tools and things, but that's been, uh, um, that's been pretty fun. I built a little Lego table, uh, that goes under, under one of the kids, uh, beds for storing all their Legos and things like that. But that's been a fun, um, when you spend all day on the computer, it's fun to like kind of go outside and, and work with your hands and things like that. So it's been a certainly it's been a good hobby this year. Well, I've got one more question for you. So, you know, it's what it happens to be my favorite question of the whole episode. What's your superpower? Although I do have a guess, but I'm going to see if my guess is the same as your answer. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's flying. No, um, uh, <laughs> not what I would have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> I would say my superpower is uh, debugging things and not necessarily uh, in, in a manner of solely with code, but just figuring, figuring things out and, and solving problems, whether it is with code or an issue a client is having or problems in the team um, or with, you know, biz dev or something like that. So um, it's, it's what, what keeps me going is, is continually solving problems. And, um, I, I'm confident that given, given enough time and effort, I'm able to figure out pretty much anything. Um, and so, um, that I feel like that's my superpower. That's good. I was going to guess hacking, so I wasn't too proud. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, Pretty well, close. this is such a pleasure, Josh, you know, um, know where people can connect with you are linkedin twitter uh your personal website joshEaton.org, your company website uh reactivestudios.com although i know you mentioned there's a new website company yes um and your travel website sell up tra traveling nine to five uh the numbers nine two nine t zero 
Com, correct? That's correct. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That's it, everyone. If you learned something today or laughed or tell someone about this podcast, thanks for coming and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Find our other episodes on agencies that build.com. Plus we're listed anywhere you find your favorite podcast.